Hello and welcome to the 48th episode of Inherited Will, a One Piece podcast. A weekly podcast discussing each week's manga chapter and a reread of past chapters. My name is Thomas. And I am Jordan. Uh, no comments again this week, but before we get started, I'd like to once again ask you at home to leave a comment, etc. Share us around if you have One Piece loving friends. We'd appreciate it. Uh, also, I would like to briefly address that I am aware that uh, the Volume 102 SBS did come out in this past week, but there's not really anything notable in there. Uh, a lot of it was taken up by an interview with Jim Bay's voice actor, so we're not going to cover it here. We'll post a link to it, of course, as we always do, but really the only thing of note is uh, apparently it was confirmed that Beppo does have a Sulon form. So that's fun. Where has he been hiding it this whole time? Yeah, if he was going to break it out, uh, now would be the time, I would think. Mm-hmm. But uh, also, we learned that Zoro's bust size is about 110 centimeters. So uh, with those two juicy bits of intel in mind, we'll be jumping into chapter 1045, then later chapters 548 through 557. This week, we've got a, a fun and fresh color spread. Yeah, uh, Hat almost gets away, but, you know, some of the crew is dedicated to that. Indeed. I feel like it would have been a fairly easy task for Robin to just be like, I've got it, but instead waits for Usopp to nearly fall out of the panel before making that save. Well, I feel like Luffy could have just gotten it himself. This is below the captain's uh, prospects. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it does make for quite the dynamic little uh, rectangle. <laughs> <laughs> that it does. Frankie gets to look shocked. Sanji gets to save Usopp from falling too deep into the abyss. And uh, the others get to do what they do. Mm-hmm. Zoro has a dog now. Yeah, there's a dog and a cat for some reason. Cat's wearing sunglasses. It's pretty cool. Dog's wearing Zorro. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I especially like the pastel background. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's got so, like a summer vibe to it for sure. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It's a nice change of pace. Nice and fresh. I like it a lot. That takes us into the chapter proper. Chapter 1045. Next level. Back on the roof with the Kashunks and such. And Roz. And a classic double wheeze situation. Kaido here points out what we pointed out last week. That it's a little weird that uh, Luffy can both uh, transfer his rubber powers to things, uh, but he also transformed his body. What's up with that? Kaido doesn't know, and neither do we. No. It's too bad. We're all learning here. Pretty much. Uh... Luffy doesn't know either, because he's also just kind of not paying attention to what Kaido has going on. Up until he gets eaten. Shoots. R.I.P. Luffy. Yeah, I mean, this is definitely the first time that he's been eaten by a big snake-like thing. (laughs) Indeed. Especially in this arc alone. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But he gets munched. He attempts to resist it with his beefy body for a hot second. Uh, seems like he might succeed, but Kaido chomps him down. Uh, but he causes some mayhem in there. Some bumps, some boops, 
some wumps, and a little bit of donk <laughs> for uh, hitting Kaido with a classic move, the Drum Drum Balloon. Yeah, it's nice to, to bring back some of the basics. Uh, mysteriously, though, uh, this literally inflates Kaido down the middle and sends him flooping into the air. Yeah, so, I mean, I guess Luffy's transferring some of his rubber properties to Kaido just to make sure he stays alive at this point. I suppose so. Hmm. I don't think it's ever been outright stated that Paramecias can't transfer their rubber abilities to living things. We haven't seen it happen before, so I just kind of assumed that yeah. it wasn't doable. But he's also not a Paramecia, so... Yeah, they, they shouldn't be able to do that, and for all that it matters, like, apparently Luffy kind of can just do what he wants now. Certainly appears that way. Uh, but yeah, glad that it is so, because uh, Kaido would probably be dead otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> or Luffy would just not have been able to do it, period, because Kaido's body is too durable. Yeah. Unclear which. <laughs> Neither is good. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, this isn't great for Kaido either. He seems deeply distressed by what is happening. Poor guy. It well, out there for snake yeah. men. All his years of fighting, I don't think he could have even come close to anticipating what's happening here. Yeah, this wacky, wacky operation. Uh, in a similar vein, Momonosuke and Yamato are quite confused. Uh, I really love the them as like the narrators of this chapter. Just like side onlookers just with us right there reacting bigly i especially appreciate that yamato considers that this might just be a form of kaido <laughs> that he's had in his pocket all this time now they're incredulous about it for sure but they still consider it might be possible oh I, yeah i love it kaido fat form <laughs> only this part though yeah the hidden fourth zoan ability you work hard enough, anything's possible. Wait, so. Uh, Kaido takes a second to thoughtfully consider what the heck is going on. Uh, his body isn't made of rubber, he says. Uh, he doesn't have a ton of time to consider the implications of this. Because two big old rubber hands pop out of his eyes, seize him by the nose, and allow Luffy to rocket himself on out of Kaido's mouth. It's probably very unsettling in a variety of ways. Yep. <laughs> I yeah, I think unsettling sums that up nicely. Now, do we think that uh Luffy's hands are like phasing through Kaido's eyes here in a cartoonish sort of way or are his eyes also being made rubbery and they're like stretching out into the shape of Luffy's hands? I really don't know. I like cuz they they would be coming out of the pupil. Um, but like we've, <laughs> we know that Oda's, uh, biology is a little weird when it comes to eyes. Like we've seen Luffy in the eye of the giant sky snake. That's true. So like, I, I don't know, man. <laughs> Very iffy. Uh, but Luffy's having a great time about it. And, uh, so am I. What happens next is uh, interesting. Something I've expected for quite some time. You and everybody else. Yeah. Luffy uh, comes out of the body, 
Kaido's body, all puffed up. You know, he uses that excess air to blow himself into the cloud uh, and then comes down as a giant man. Luffy Big Mode, I believe, is the technical name. Uh, Gum Gum Giant doesn't exist. It's definitely Luffy <laughs> Big Mode. Was that also released in the SBS? Uh, absolutely. I didn't read it to you, so you have to trust me. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, comes out of the sky, uh, lightning in the background, looking all sorts of large and spooky. Uh, doesn't do too much while he's large. Uh, he gets bit. Uh, uses Kaido as a jump rope for a hot second, as though he's gearing up for a big old slam move or something. But then gets blast breath again, taking his 80th one of the match. Yeah, I, well, if Kaido was taken down by a jump rope move, I would have... I would have had some serious words. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, I mean, I guess so. He's definitely going to be taken down by something equally silly. Oh, I would more think. silly, I would imagine. <laughs> Indeed. Oda's just ramping up at this point. <laughs> He's. I'm telling you, man, he is just letting off steam. <laughs> He's like, oh, man, like this, this series has gone on way longer than I expected, but we are getting closer to the end. I got to... I gotta make this really weird really quick. Indeed. This Kaido thing has been too serious for too long. Time to get silly with it, says the man. Much to uh, Kaido's despair, but Mm -hmm. not to ours. Luffy takes a direct hit. Gets all sizzled up. uh, Gets real steamed about it. And uh, roadrunners his way. (laughs) Uh, In midair, mind you, Mm -hmm. back to town. Leaving a trail of flame. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool. Classic Luffy style. Yeah. Uh, he makes it back in one piece. By then, Kaido has gone back into his hybrid mode and has prepped an entire new attack for Luffy. Uh, we don't get to see the bonk, but we see the aftermath. And uh, so does everybody else on Onigashima. Pretty much. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, one of them tries to imitate it. Uh, a variety do. <laughs> Starting to think Oda might be overusing this uh, eyeball popping out of the head thing a little bit too much. But he's clearly having a good time. So who am I to take away his joy? I think, you know, yeah, sure. But Laws is the best, right? Because, like, his hat is in the way and it's Law. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Has this just been, like, a reaction from, at the very least, the three on the left, Chopper, Nami, and Tama? I just believe that being a general reaction to something from those three. Mm. Kid, to a lesser extent, but still, sure, I could see it. Uh, we don't get this kind of face fault from Law very frequently, though. No, and I think it's it's Kid's and Law's mouth that really, like, puts it closer to the uncanny valley for some reason. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, it's a nightmare on all accounts. Um, mm-hmm. R.I.P. to them for losing their eyes. Sucks. Actually, it looks like they've multiplied them. They've got like six eyes each. Yeah, but none of them are in their face, so does it doesn't really <laughs> matter. <laughs> Can't find your eyes if you don't have eyes. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Luffy pulls his head back up to the surface, though. Uh, as he's falling to his ground with a fashu and a thud. Uh, Kaido comments that it's like something from a comet strip. Ain't that something? Yeah, breaking the fourth wall while, you know, 
facing directly away from it is pretty delightful. Um, Isn't that just classic Kaido? Yeah, it has to be. Uh, I like that when Luffy pulls his face out, it comes out in the shape of the hole that it went through. It just kind of molds itself to it. Well, of course. The Mm. man's made of rubber, after all. (laughs) Right, yeah, we've seen this for the past thousand chapters, so this is nothing new. (laughs) Boy, I really love how sizzly the uh, the bump on his head is. Just to really drive home how hard he was hit. Big bump, yeah. Oh, yes. Uh, Kaido, though, still not terribly impressed. He's been handling this in impressive stride, frankly. Mm-hmm. Uh, still going strong. Uh, he thinks Luffy has reached his limit. Luffy immediately refutes this, but almost as immediately uh, becomes an incredibly old man and nearly <laughs> dies on the spot. Yeah, his tongue gets really heavy, and the rest of his face just kind of follows with it. Indeed. This is the second time in about three chapters that Luffy has melted, so good on you, Luffy. It's Keep just, it up. Yeah, it's just a quality of Nika. Guess so. Uh, but looks like Kaido's not doing quite as hot as he would lead us to believe, because he does fall to his knees for a hot second. Uh, takes a second to chat with Luffy about how Luffy was dying a hot second ago and how Gear 5th takes a lot of energy to maintain. Uh, Fair enough. Kaido says, it's okay. You can just die. Uh, I promise you, someone will tell the tale of your battle. Luffy doesn't want to hear any of that, though. I I can't... I cannot believe that for how long they've been fighting and what Kaido must know about Luffy, I find it very hard to believe that he still is like... Oh, don't worry. When you die, it'll, like, this, your, you know, your name will go on. You'll have a legacy. Like, how do you... That's not what this man is after. I feel like he should know that. Well, sure, but that's what Kaido's about. <laughs> right, I know, but, like, for for someone that seems to have respect for his opponent, like, he's still trying to push his ideals and values onto Luffy, as opposed to, like, accepting his... Uh, his... Uh, equal i don't know at this point really maybe greater um but just like accepting that it is something different i suppose so kaido seems to have less like active ill will towards luffy's ideals than the average luffy opponent does Mm -hmm. it's like when he's fighting crocodile for example crocodile's talking a lot of smack about how like oh you can't trust the crew you gotta be strong yourself that kind of thing. Which, like, I mean, yeah, just think about showing... Blackbeard. Like, yeah. <laughs> complete exactly. opposites in that regard. Yeah. It's the classic, like, shonen clash of ideals that made for interesting fights. Yeah. Whereas Kaido is just here to have a good time and, you know, enslave all of Wano. Nothing against Luffy personally. He's just standing in his way, pretty much. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting little change. I like it. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know if I like it. It's interesting. <laughs> Indeed. Keeping it fresh. Classic Oda. Yeah. Uh, Yamato makes a comment that uh, apparently uh, Luffy's hair and clothes have turned white, not golden or pink or whatever the fan artists have been theorizing throughout the last few weeks. People Uh, thought pink. Interesting. Yeah, I think I saw like a thumbnail that was like pink hair Luffy. It might have been today, actually. Mm. Live reaction. I don't remember. Um, But yeah. Uh, apparently he's white, like a, like a manga panel. Ain't that something? 
Oda literally gave us the colors <laughs> right off the hop. Yeah, <laughs> kept it easy. Indeed. Thanks, Oda. Momonosuke uh, makes a comment here, though, that uh, his voice, nearly dead. Uh, R.I.P. Luffy, dead within the week, I'm sure. But he stands back up, lists some people that have been affected by this conflict, even though Pedro wasn't really involved in this at all. Uh, yeah, I was kind of surprised by Pedro making it background. Yeah, Momo, Tama, Kinemon, all for sure. Mm-hmm. There's like 80 other guys that have lost <laughs> their lives and or been affected by directly this Kaido thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas Pedro was exclusively a big mom operation. So uh, Very much dead. Like Yeah, yeah. for sure. Deader than but, anybody he mentions. Yep, yep. <laughs> but this still is not the time, Luffy. Uh, he's just dreaming sweet Pedro dreams. I can't blame him. I do that myself every evening. So, <laughs> fair enough. Uh, Kaido gives a strict warning here. Uh, careful or you die. Luffy doesn't give two frumps about that. Pumps up his heart once more. And uh, goes in for another clash. As does Kaido. I love the line. Come on, heart. Hit that beat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then he hits it in a big way. Doom da da da. Yeah, he's back. It's gonna be gonna be a good time for sure. Quite so. Luffy's heart hits that beat. Uh, Kaido's club hits Luffy square in the back of the head. Uh, but he looks good. Spiky Luffy is most powerful Luffy, as I understand it. Truly hitting that shonen protagonist, Matsumo. Good on you, buddy. He's finally got the spiky hair that he's always needed. And the spiky mouth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Dream come true. Uh, this causes him pain, and he tries to flee. Uh, but turns out, it's just a feint. Kaido goes in for a club smack, which uh, seems to hit him and pancake the man. Right. Uh, but the floor is also rubbery, so he bounces back up above Kaido, uh, bounces to a nearby rock, charges up a something for a hot second, blasts on up, spins around a whole bunch in what appears to be a uh, modified version of his UFO move from like 300 chapters ago, <laughs> and then uh, punches Kaido straight through the head. Yeah, what is this? Like, JoJo Part 4? Uh, kind of seems that way. <laughs> I don't remember seeing a cartoon where a protagonist or anybody literally punches through the face, but he's actually fine. But uh, it happens here. It, this is one of the weirder parts of this chapter, which is already kind of weird. Um, but, like, it, it's especially strange that looking at the color of it, where... You know, it shows the back of Kaido's head. Like, it's a white fist, and it looks like the black of Kaido's head is, like, torn through. Yeah, so it's like he's, like, bursting yeah. out of it from behind. Yeah, wild. I mean, he's fine, right? Like, totally, totally fine. Just as if, you know, my favorite Joe Star had punched him. Of course. Actually, I don't know if he's... Ah, we don't need... Anyway. <laughs> You've opened a Pandora's box. On yeah, it's not worth it right now. It's too late in the day. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, but Kaido does fall down. He took a punch, at least. Not sure what on earth happened here in detail. But, you know, Luffy's having a good time. And uh, he suspects Kaido might be as well. 
I think we're going to find out next chapter that, yeah, he's he's weirded out, but probably having a good time. Indeed. Uh, to turn back the clock a little bit, though, before he actually takes this punch, uh, Kaido does some speculating to himself. Uh, he says that Luffy turns all white. He's using both armament and conqueror's hockey, and he can transfer his powers to other stuff. That chunk of things alone is fairly standard affair for awakening and hockey usage, right? Mm. Uh, the turning all white thing and freewheeling combat uh, seems to have him downright spooked, though. And I guess the fact that he awakened this business uh, mid-combat, or post-combat, really, <laughs> uh, probably has him a little bit freaked as well. We've never actually seen anybody awaken their abilities before up until now so i'm not sure if like being defeated is standard fare oh you think it's like a comeback from brink of defeat well possibly but i don't know because like katakuri was said to have never have fallen down mm-hmm. in all of his years mm-hmm. uh the undefeated invincible man so at the very least in his case Probably not a comeback from defeat type thing, but uh, we just don't know. It's a classic mystery, one that will probably never be addressed. Nope, won't be. I'm just resigned to that now. Quite so. Uh, this chapter as a whole, fun little combat chapter. I'm pleased to be able to see more of uh, what Luffy can do. And I think I can say with confidence that I probably enjoyed this chapter more than last week's because we've already addressed like the issues that we have with this gear fifth thing. So this week I could kind of put that aside, trusting that perhaps Oda will explain it one day and just enjoy what we see at face value. You know? Yeah. I mean, I'm starting to think that this is really just like, I mean, Oda has been doing this a long time and it's all been the same story right so like Mm -hmm. we know that he has so many ideas that he's never been able to put on paper and i'm starting to feel that this is him just being like i don't know i could have made this gear fifth i could have made this gear fifth could have made this a move for luffy but like eh, it didn't really fit anywhere and now he's just unloading it now luffy can do whatever he wants so he can use all of these ideas and more and he, and he doesn't have to justify it, and he kind of deserves that, you know? He's put in the work for a long time, <laughs> and he'll find a way to make it... Well, I hope he'll find a way to make it narratively pleasing. We'll see. Here's hoping. Uh, but I think that pretty much wraps up my thoughts. Fun combat chapter, but uh, that's pretty much all it is. Yep. Yep. Good times, good goofs. Quite so. So uh, there is no break next week. Chapter 1046 will release on April 10th, next Sunday. Look forward to that. Right, we're here, 548 to 557, uh, from picking a fight with one Marine to picking a fight with every Marine. (laughs) Indeed. Isn't that just the wisest thing Luffy's ever done? Probably. I mean... (laughs) He's got to do something. But before Luffy, the first thing we need to talk about is obviously Buggy. (laughs) 
truly the star of the show, particularly in the first chapter of this. Yeah, it's very buggy heavy there. <laughs> um, so he's been avoiding his like pedigree, as it were, in order to stay out of the spotlight, which is all well and good. Very in character. Makes a lot of sense. Um, <laughs> then, within a few pages, having given it minimal thought, he decides killing Whitebeard and becoming one of the four emperors, you know, one of the most famous people on the planet, also sounds like a great idea. Yeah, the man really goes from, oh no, my secret is out. This is the worst thing that could have happened to me. To, oh man, my secret's out. This is probably the greatest thing that ever happened to me. Yeah. I can surely kill Whitebeard. <laughs> For sure. That's what he's good at. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's very contradictory, but like, it's still in character. Buggy loves a quick power grab. Yeah, and uh, an opportunist. Mm-hmm. And on paper, leading a bunch of like decently dangerous pirates in a charge against Whitebeard while he's distracted doesn't sound the, the worst. Quite the worst. Um, but like... Even if he accomplished it, it's not like he's power leveling in a video game. He would still just be buggy. I guess his plan is to coast on reputation and the power of these other guys. Which is kind of what he does. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But like, I just can't believe that he jumped straight to Whitebeard. It's a bit jump for sure. Mm. I love the ambitious move, but. (laughs) <laughs> it works out for him up until that whole uh, warlord system abolishment thing. Oh, forget about that. Yeah, nuts. Uh, but um, also, Buggy is, they, they say blood brothers with shanks. Uh, is that just how they're referring to crewmates? Or did do, did they actually swap blood at some point? Um, I think that that is simply an exaggeration made by the Marines. Oh, you think that's just bad information? Indeed. Because I was going to say, like, every flashback I remember, they were not friends. Like, Shanks was nice to Buggy, but Buggy was still a a bad boy. (laughs) Indeed. I'm at, they seem like, kind of like a Zoro Sanji situation with a little bit more bad blood there on Bucky's mm-hmm. side. Mm-hmm. They're rivals, but still crewmates and friends to a certain extent. And uh, the Marines made some assumptions about how close they had made to them. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll buy that. I like that. Uh, that's enough about Buggy, though. Just wanted <laughs> to touch on that. Now Time we get to in... never mention him again. Eh, for like maybe a week or two. <laughs> so... Now we get into Ace's execution. I mean, it's like Oda Oda spends some serious time setting up the scene here, like just showing how bad the odds are for well, at at the point of setting it up, we really just think Luffy and company. We know Whitebeard's going to show up, but we haven't seen him. Okay. Uh so they've got 100,000 troops, 50 warships, five warlords, and three admirals, uh, which is like, you know, a lot and daunting. <laughs> but while I was reading through it and it showed that like the the panel where it's got the three admirals all sitting in their chairs, sure. um, I just, I, I had a thought that like, I don't know, I personally find it weird that 
these three all have basically the exact same like body shape um and it, it caught me off guard especially in contrast to like the shot of the warlords that we saw right before that it's just like Oda does so much fun stuff with people, and then with these three, it's like, wow, they're tall, lanky dudes. <laughs> That's true. Akainu's a, a little bit beefier, of yeah, course. I was about to but, say, it's a little wider than the other two. But, but like, in terms of general shape, certainly yeah. not as for much variety as the pirates get, for sure. Right. Which, like, makes sense. They're marines, but, like, I don't know, even Garp and Sengoku are, like, different it just seems strange that the three not tops but basically the three top um are cookie cutter suppose that's true they do have like the uniqueness in that they're modeled after uh, actual japanese actors i do love that i guess that's a good point it would be weird to like mess with that when it is based on a real person yeah maybe i'll have a to little reconsider. bit disrespectful to take like a kind news design like give him moria's body shape for example right yeah yeah i mean you'd have to you'd have to be more careful for sure so eh, maybe i take that back but and as for like garp he's like supposed to be a cool guy so i can understand not wanting to like make him look too weird you know same thing with Goku. i thought it was weird that when they're sitting in those chairs that uh both uh Akainu and Kizaru have their legs crossed across their lap. But uh, Aokiji has his legs spread. Isn't that something? Yeah. <laughs> I also thought that was pretty strange. Hmm. Might might be saying something there. I don't know about that. It's simply no. coincidence. Yeah. Oda leaves a lot to chance, as I understand it. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> He's just been going by the seat of his pants this whole time. Mm-hmm. A real Akira Toriyama situation. We have yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a good shot. I also, I mean, I did fixate on their cross legs, but uh, at first, just because I thought about it and I was like, I mean, their foot is pointed almost at the ground. My foot doesn't look like that when I cross my legs, but <laughs> it'd be a weird perspective if it was like a foot pointed straight out of the panel. So. I let it Wait, slide. We keep it simple around these parts. Yeah. <laughs> I also thought it was interesting, just like Sengoku's choice for like how to prioritize like the the front line of his troops versus the defensive line, because mm. it just made sense that he would put like the the warlords, the dispensable pirates, you know, on the front line and mm-hmm. keep his like beefier and uh, more valuable lives to him at least. Uh, marine admirals on like defensive duty right yeah now that doesn't stop them from just joining in the fight as they please (laughs) but uh sengoku tries to make uh the warlords die first basically yeah he's he's still a heartless marine even though like he's he has a goat yes he has a goat yep (laughs) you can still be evil and own a goat let that be a lesson everyone and you'll notice that that goat is nowhere near this battlefield. <laughs> <laughs> that thing was the first thing to be evacuated from the capital. I would. Imagine. Yes, it is very safe in a bunker somewhere for sure. Mm-hmm. Lots of hay, lots of grass. I assume. I don't know. 
uh, probably a lot of paper. <laughs> That's true. This one does like paper in particular. Sure does spend a lot of time eating all the paperwork that Sengoku was trying to use. What a shame. I don't I like to imagine that like 90% of the perceived incompetency of the Marines is due to the fact, at least in this part of the story, that uh, Sengoku's road has simply eaten the paperwork in regards to whatever the uh, situation is. Uh, I mean, yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, the Gorosei uh, sent a memo about the fruit that Luffy ate being the Nika fruit, but uh, oops, it got ate. Indeed. Either that or uh, Sengoku's report to the Gorosei about Luffy having the gum gum fruit never made it up to him because it got eaten. Yeah, both ways work. We solved your uh, plot hole for you, Oda. <laughs> it just takes one goat. <laughs> it's fine. In before and SBS covers that issue. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, plot, yes, a thing that is important. Uh, turns out that Ace is Roger's son. We know this. Um, Indeed, that's cool and good. Uh, but his his mother. On the other hand, now that's, I mean, that's something to talk about. She's wild, and they just kind of, like, pass over it pretty quickly. It gets, like, half a page to talk about this woman that held a, an unbirthed child in her for 20 months. Yeah, that's pretty bonkers, huh? <laughs> just crazy. I also, I don't, I don't know how this solves the problem, like... They specifically said that they were checking pregnant people, too. Like, Well, yeah, but how do you... Ch I mean, with the level of technology they have... Oh, right? I know. I'm with you, but, you like... <laughs> check a pregnancy for fatherhood before it's born? I don't know, you know, but they said they were doing it. I imagine they were just checking for pregnant women, right? Getting information about, like, when the pregnancy would have begun, right? And just kind of waiting it out based on that information i guess i mean they have time but i don't like it if a kainu had been like in full swing by that point he probably just would have killed all the pregnant women and that would have solved the problem for sure <laughs> that's also something that they said though like they said kill anyone who looks suspicious and i feel like given how loose the navy takes things that should have just been every pregnant person. Like, Well, sure, but you gotta remember that also Garp was there to specifically protect Rouge, and I imagine probably the innocent pregnant women, too. I get, yeah, I, yeah. How he stays in the Navy, I don't really know. Like, I know that Sengoku has said, you know, if you weren't the hero of the Navy or whatever, but eventually that only goes so far, right? <laughs> He, he blatantly so. disres uh, disregards orders fairly often. I suppose so. On the one hand, on an average day, the Navy doesn't really seem to, or the world government rather, doesn't really seem to care too much about their public image, right? Mm. Uh, but sometimes they're like, hey, can't get rid of the hero, right? That would be bad for the Marines, I guess. I mean... I guess, but you could, like, you could retire him some... I don't know if retirement's a thing in One Piece, but, like, I'm sure he's got a pension, a 401k or something. Go retire, man. Perhaps one day he will. 
well, I don't want him to. I want to make that clear. I just feel like Sengoku should have forced it by now. Plus, they've been like friends of sorts for a long time. So I'm yeah. sure he still has in his head uh, hopes and dreams that maybe one day Garp will simply fall in line. Never going to happen. <laughs> I also think that Sengoku is not a immovable object. Like I feel like he, while pretty bad i mean for sure probably can see both sides better than most people so like if there is another marine other than smoker that i feel like might have some good in them it is probably him and suru suru seems pretty good too a couple of the old timers for sure. Yeah, now that They've I think about mellowed it. a bit in their old age, I guess. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we see a little bit of Sengoku's softer side post-time strip too, where he's like talking the law about uh, Corazon. That's yep. basically raised that guy. And uh, in fact, Sengoku post-retirement acts a lot like Garp, as a matter he of does. fact. He does. Doesn't he wear like floral shirts? Like mm-hmm. Hawaiian shirts? He sure does. <laughs> Love that guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, wasn't expecting to talk about him so long, but glad it came up. Gotta strike a bit of a balance between talking about his goat and the man himself. <laughs> it's all about balance, yeah. I'm with you. Uh, so, speaking of balancing things out, uh, Whitebeard's fleet does show up. Uh, and before, like, you know, Moby Dick and the other whale ships shows up, there's two important things with like the kind of humdrum fleet that shows up first. Uh, one is a ship that has a caterpillar on its prow. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The second is a captain known as Thunderlord McGuy. <laughs> My new favorite person. <laughs> He's yeah, got a killer sad. name, killer mustache, and killer chin. The holy trio. I was very concerned you were about to talk some unnecessary smack about my son, Thunderlord McGuire. Very pleased the conversation didn't swing that way. <laughs> it's just so fucking good. <laughs> Thunder Lord. It's not Thunderlord. Thunderlord McGuire. <laughs> I love it. Boy, what a man. He doesn't do anything, but it, it, I mean, his name is said and he's there. <laughs> I like to imagine that concept for that character just came to Oda late at night in an epiphany and simply <laughs> sat up straight in the dead of night ran to the boardroom to grab his notebook and spent the next three days straight specifically designing that man in his bat story only for it to never come up again in the story uh, dude yeah. probably <laughs> and i feel like i feel like that is sort of the the downfall of this uh, story arc, like, I, I was going to bring this up later, but there's just, there's so much happening. There are so many people here that are all, like, pretty cool, and they kind of have to be to be here, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I just feel like none of them get the time that they deserve. And yeah. I realize that that's a shortcoming of the medium, of course, like... We've talked about this before, but in this specifically, like, 
this is one that I feel like I would rather see or, or consume it in an animated medium because it would just, you know, fill in some of the missing spots more. Um, mm. Like, specifically when uh, Jozu, like, picks up the giant iceberg and throws it, um, you know, you, you know that he threw it in the manga because it is airborne and they comment on it. But, like, uh, the panels leading up to that, I was like, you know, if I didn't have the final panel, I wouldn't have known what he was doing. It almost looked like he just smacked his head into the ice. <laughs> That's Joe's signature move. Actually. It probably is. But you're right, though. In order to create, like, the level of scale that we've come to with Spectrum this fight, Oda had to pack in, like, a lot of named characters, you know, people that we have to believe are strong in order for us to believe that this battle is as big and scary as we've been building it up to be, right? Mm -hmm. But you clearly don't have the time or even the interest in showing, like, full-scale confrontations, like, full straw hat-level fights between all these guys, you know? Yeah, I don't so, care about Spring Mustachio. Uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> How can you say that? Literally just said it so that I could get a reaction from you. I am deeply disappointed in your behavior on this day i wasn't gonna make fun of uh blamenko well of course not that man has pockets for days yeah that would be dangerous for me and everyone that i knew who knows what are in those pockets of him he can't take the chance not even close to worth it yeah uh point noted and agreed with <laughs> thank you i suppose that is the summary of this tangent yeah. we've gone off on yeah um so sengoku like my he, he he makes a big show about what's going on here and you know that's because of ace's lineage they're trying to you know be like hey you pirates look what'll happen to you and i get that like, he's obviously trying to prevent another coming of, you know, a fresh wave of pirates. But I I feel like it's kind of a bold move. Like, even without things going bad in the ways that it does for the Navy, I could see this kind of sparking a younger generation to take up the Jolly Roger. Like, the Navy, the Navy here is kind of saying, like, one one person yeah one person who's related to roger whatever one person can cause such a stir that the navy was terrified like they brought out everything they had and it just shows that the the navy can be scared and it's like I don't know. It's not that hard. Like, I, it is, of course, but you get enough like-minded people together, and and you can do it. Um, so, I, it's interesting. Yeah, I guess so. On the one hand, they could have simply executed the guy in secret, right, mm -hmm. and just avoided the pirate king lineage of it all altogether. Right. Mm -hmm. They just could have just killed Ace, called it a day, and no one has to know that he was the son of the king of the pirates, right? But Sengoku, I guess, or perhaps someone higher up the ladder than him, 
decided they had to make a show of it. Like you said, probably to stamp out like people with lofty ideas of becoming the pirate king, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in doing so, pipped a fight that they clearly weren't a hundred percent confident that they could win, and lost like severe casualties already, even this at this point in the story. As a result, to the point where they even had to rely on those dang dirty uh, warlords try to make it happen so uh basically yeah i guess it is certainly a bold move on sengoku's part and uh doesn't really even pay off <laughs> right like why uh, why why <laughs> it's yeah. yeah and it's getting ahead of ourselves a little bit but yeah what they've really done is give Whitebeard a stage right a podium for which to mm-hmm. inspire the future generation and they know they knew the entire time that Whitebeard was going to show up. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what did they think that he was just going to show up, sit there, and watch? No. <laughs> like, mm. I also thought it was interesting that people in the Navy seemed to like react with genuine surprise when Whitebeard pulled out his powers. Like, I for sure would have briefed everyone and been like, "Hey, he's got the quick quake fruit." Like. <laughs> If you know anything, you should know that. <laughs> well, for sure. But to a lot of people, Whitebeard is still a living legend, you know? So even if you've been told about something, it's a different thing altogether to see it before your very eyes when it's simply been myth and folklore, basically. That's true. Then. He is old as heck. Quite. Elderly, elderly man. Got a yeah. big mustache, too. So. Yeah, Jump yeah. Out. Sometimes we get, like, a panel of him. There's one specifically in, like, Ace's flashback where we kind of see him from a lower angle and it's more of a side profile. And, oh boy, he's got a moon-shaved head. It's it's very curved. It's so fascinating. What a guy. Indeed. And his mustache is probably bigger than, like, me. Yes. (laughs) So. Yes. <laughs> One whole Thomas length. <laughs> uh, but, um, yeah, obviously, situations like chaotic beyond belief. Um, and I think that it's neat how the structure, like the way that Oda is presenting stuff, is jarring at times. Jarring at times. Yeah, <laughs> just to bring a little bit of that chaos to the reader. Um, hmm. I, I I think this happens a few times here, but the best example that I had is um, Little Ors Jr. Like hmm. this is this, this character is introduced here, uh, but there I mean there are immediately flashbacks cut in with the current stuff to show why Ace is so important to this giant. Uh, and he's trying his best, like, he's, you know, he's taken out a ship, he's opening up a path, and, like, it's a really pretty sweet moment, you know, we see Ace making him the hat and all this stuff, and then just, boom, his leg's cut off by Doflamingo. The dude continues on, like, and and then is just finally taken out by an overly lizard-based attack from Moria, uh, you don't think the like... lizard part of that was necessary <laughs> to 
what happened? Are you no, questioning really the don't. tactics of Gecko D. Moria? <laughs> it's just, yeah, let me take a lot of shadow bats and make them into an arrow, but also at the end of the arrow, make it a lizard. <laughs> That's the rule, Jordan. If it's not shaped like an animal, what's the goddamn point? Uh, yeah, you gotta These have your the theatrics. you learn in the school of Moria. <laughs> if you had completed more than a semester, maybe you would know that. Oh, the tuition was just too high for me. It's mm-hmm, mm-hmm. always an excuse. Well, I like my shadow a lot. Sorry. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, the, the the contrast here is pretty great. Um, and like the fact that it all happens right in front of Ace while he's powerless is just like really potent stuff. Um, and you you get like we don't know almost anything about the Whitebeard Pirates at this point, except for the fact that they're, I mean, they're a family. And that comes through so strong here. It is, it is, there's no shadow of a doubt that that is how they function. And I think that's really well done. Indeed. Really puts Whitebeard and Co. on a pedestal, like above your average schmuck pirate crew. Because most pirate crews, you know, they're, more or less a dictatorship you know there's mm-hmm. the crocodile or the doflamingo and there's just kind of well the others <laughs> yeah doflamingo is a bit of an exception because in a way he also kind of treats his executives as family right um, and big mom can... below them <laughs> no yeah but like and and big mom is also very family based like i find it yes. interesting that the ones that are kind of more prominent more powerful are more analogous to like our crew right like they the ones that are successful show the same traits that luffy is trying to emphasize in his crew that's true for big mom to an extent but they're also kind of a foil to that concept because while they are literally a family they're also one of the more cutthroat and willing to stab each other in the back crews than we've seen you know that's they're all so scared of big mom herself that they're willing to mess up their own security operation because they're too scared to opera that one talking about in this case is too scared to admit that he let luffy escape you know stuff like that that's a good point yeah okay well even scratching big mom like it's it's still considerable the amount that that seems to play into it for sure uh and then like i mean there's like a lot of fighting in this chunk and (laughs) i don't feel the need to talk on that like it's good it's it's really good stuff the establishing shots are beautiful it's great um but uh that being said we leave off this time with like luffy and company actually joining the battle um, and we see that literally everyone wants to try and take out Whitebeard with stealth. Uh, and for some reasons, they, they think they can do it. Like, Ace thinks he could do it. Buggy wanted to do it. Crocodile tried it. Like, well, <laughs> you guys are not thinking about this right. I suppose so. I mean, they all know that he's an old man. And rumor has it, he's lost a step. Um, 
as a result of his illness, you know. And that's true to an extent, but he's still incredibly beefy. Yeah. So uh, at least wait until, like, the battle's almost done, mm-hmm. you know. Give it a second for him to be whittled down by the mobs, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, Ace had the right idea trying to go at him in his sleep the first time. That I get. Mm-hmm. Crocodile just being like, well, I'm here. <laughs> time to go straight with the king on my own team. He didn't even pull out the poison hook. Like, it was just his normal hook. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Guess Whitebeard's durability is just uh, not very well reputed. I guess, yeah. Or maybe Crocodile simply overestimated himself. Well, that's always true. Luffy does feel the need to, like, step in on Whitebeard's behalf. Which is something, I suppose. I mean, he doesn't have, like, hockey or anything to really be able to tell how strong Whitebeard is. You know, so just based on reputation alone, that wasn't enough for Luffy to feel the need to let him do it himself, basically. Well, yeah, yeah. Luffy just kind of knew that he was an old man that Ace liked, and that was enough for him. Uh, I, yeah, I do wonder kind of how it even got to that point with Crocodile. Like, I feel like. Uh, Whitebeard almost should have just quaked him or whatever, just cracked him. But, uh, well, it wouldn't have done much to him because he's a Logia type. And, um, well, he, Whitebeard has to have all sorts of hockey going for him. So maybe he just observed Luffy, like, making a move for it. And he was like, ah, let's see how this plays out. Yeah. If anybody's got future sight on this battlefield, like, 20 years before future mm-hmm. sight is even a twinkle in Oda's eye. Uh, I'm sure it's Whitebeard. The man causes earthquakes in the seafloor that create tidal waves. Like, you have to have some level of observation hockey for that. I would think so. Oh, man. Pretty impressive dude, this Whitebeard. It's, uh, it's always... Big. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Quite large. Hard man. Has a bladed weapon that he doesn't really use all that much. One of the legendary weapons, like the the top tier, along part yeah. with a Mihawk sword. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very a lot of flashy stuff sword here in this world. Yeah, if it is a bladed uh, weapon, I guess it counts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that blade is very large. But that's that's about it for what I have here. Um, I think, I, yeah, I went out of order, but I think I got all my notes in. All right. Um, I didn't have too many funny bits this week either. It was mostly the battle. Uh, yeah, I actually didn't write down any. All I really had was just kind of buggies interactions with the mook uh, impelled down escapees on their way. Like that mm-hmm. whole envoy of the gods thing. <laughs> yeah, the, that's the pretty good. The justice were opening. Yeah, I mean, I I did write down that um, pretty much any panel where a large group of people are reacting to news that shocks them, that pretty much always gets me. And there were a few of those in here, so those those are my bits. Quite so. Um, but like we said, uh, mostly action and setup for future battle things. Uh, to be continued. Uh, next week, we'll be covering chapters 558 through 569 
the next chunk of marine fruit. So look forward to that. Uh, like I said before, no break next week, thank goodness. The next new chapter, 1046, releases April 10th. Feel free to send in your thoughts on this chapter via email to inheritedwillpodcasts at gmail.com, on Twitter to at inherited underscore will, or in a comment on the platform of your choosing. As always, thanks for listening. So long.